hey, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it's movie night. Why I love this job so much is that when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. But occasionally, some interesting people pop in to visit, and that's exactly what happened today. Uh, this episode is a special twofer of some sorts. We um, are very lucky to have Layla Swart, who is a lovely friend over the years, but a very important editor and producer. Um, and you'll see all the lovely stuff that she's involved in and, and behind, the biggest of which is Blood Psalms, which is a landmark local uh, production, which is on Showmax at the moment. But we want to be as relevant and as topical as we can be here at the video store. So a bunch of us all got together um, yesterday, so that's Sunday, to watch the new Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and we wanted to have a quick chat about it beforehand. So that is what you're going to hear first, and then Layla is going to come and visit us. All right, let's get on with the show. This is a little chat about Black Panther, and then Layla Swat pops in to rent something. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? Chaps, yo, we uh, we went on a little outing yesterday. On an we excursion. Watched, watched Wakanda Forever. Yeah, and I like the fact that the movie can release. It mm. can be the opening weekend. We can make sure we watch it on the opening weekend, and we can make sure we have some kind of comment mm -hmm. for when it comes out on Tuesday. Yeah, so that it is relevant and up to date. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the first time I've been in a like a stay kinney call since COVID, actually. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, you haven't come on one of our other outings. Mm -mm. No, I've been. I've seen the movie here. Yeah, but not at a at a good old good old one. With, it, with so with all the people around and it did yeah. sort of make me miss the like limited seating COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yesterday was uh, was chock a block. Yeah, and we had some kiddies. Who and really wanted to go to the toilets. And yeah. they and do not have the attention span of what how long that movie was. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, and also, yeah, those popcorn bags. Yeah, now, now there's the popcorns in bags instead of boxes. But you know what? My goodness. I'm fine with it. Yeah. To be honest, like, I don't know, maybe it's the cinema owner in me, but I'm not that like, shh, come on. Yeah. Like, I quite like a participatory audience. Because mm -hmm. did you notice at the end of the movie, there was a clap? Yeah, oh, that quite surprised me. Bizarre. Hey? Yeah. When have you ever had a clap after a movie when there's not been like a director present? Time. Oh, right. No, I mean, it, you would clap at a festival when there's a director present, but just yeah. on a random Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah, I, I can give you a weird one. Yeah. When Cole and I went to watch X-Men Apocalypse, <laughs> okay. the audience clapped at the end for some reason. I was like, what is happening? Which one? What, what yeah. happened in Apocalypse? I forget. I um, Oscar Isaac was blue and things exploded. I, I don't know. Uh, it was terrible. I haven't seen that. It's very bad. When did that come out? Oh, Lord. It's like not the... The previous most recent one, so not before Dark Phoenix. Yeah, uh, after day of also Days of Future Past before Dark Phoenix. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I, you, missed that. You know, I, I, I must have seen. You it. didn't miss much. Um, so so yeah, I think let's let's get into 
what we think about Wakanda forever. We yes. obviously don't want to talk too much about anything that could spoil the experience. But I think, mm-hmm. I was saying to Graham now, like after the opening weekend, I think we can speak a little bit more about plot yeah. and actual characters, but not necessarily anything that might spoil the experience. I mean, yes. everything was in the trailer, basically. Well, no. Well, I think the trailer, I think, kept a lot of things a mystery, which was like basically who they are going to be up against. I think that was something that was kept in the initial bit. But it was always in Namor, Namor yeah. kind oh, you, of oh, thing. You yeah. always knew that. I always yes. knew that, yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so basic back of the box, which I think is interesting, is that Wakanda, it's now a year after old Chadwick's passed away. Yeah. And um, they now um, encounter another group of people, which is a good way to yeah. perhaps explain it and not atlanteans not atlanteans (laughs) but uh and then you know the the future of wakanda is at stake and um and they've got to yeah they've got to fight to Mm. protect wakanda um but i thought the group of people is really interesting so basically in the way in which black panther has very successfully rewritten a history or a a a view on africa Mm. by presenting this incredibly strong powerful nation rewriting kind of history in yeah. the sense that now the most powerful nation in the world is this small african country they've managed to in this movie rewrite a bit of history by saying the mayans is that what we can kind of understand that sort of south american yeah i think something like uh, that empire which very famously was knocked out by the flu and germs from the spanish um, colonizers, they were able to... So what happened to the Mayans? This is what... Did you miss that? that that's uh, who these people were. Oh, so that, that, they is, were, that they isn't were, what really happened in... No, of course not. They didn't They didn't take magical powers and live underwater. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but just the getting getting knocked out by yeah, the disease so people, from the yeah, people colonizers. Look back, people look back at the Aztec Empire and they're like, how they were... They had pyramids. They had whole yeah. kingdoms. Like, what on earth happened? And it was because... Those Spanish, um, what are they called? Conquistadors. Yeah, conquistadors. Brought all the germs on the from Europe on the things. They just wiped those dudes out. Yeah, it was like died. it was a co- yeah, like a combination of things like smallpox as well as just general genocide. Hey, let's just murder a bunch of people. Sure, but they were just not used to those germs. And yeah, that's largely what wiped those people out. Yeah. Okay. So, so this uh, this movie is is telling a, a little bit of a restore a retelling of that, where they were able to seek refuge by taking a similar kind of herb, getting a similar kind of magical power and now being able to live underwater. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is that I've been lucky enough to scuba dive Mm. in my life and I've been able to go underwater and see a a smidgen of underwater. And I was saying to Cole after watching the movie, I still find it an amazing fact that as humans, we know more about the universe and the stars and the planets and these distant planets. We know more about that than we do about our actual ocean. Isn't it something like there's more species, like 10 times more species underwater than above water or something like that? Oh. And a lot like of them are, 70% are not... 70% of the planet is ocean. Yeah. So it would make sense that there's way more life. And and that and I don't think we even know the extent of all the species and everything down there. It's yeah. amazing that we've just we don't know what's down there. So uh, of course there's not fucking humans that, <laughs> yeah. you know, um 
uh, have built a colony, but it was cool that in this movie there was one. Yeah, and and they and they were these people that live underwater. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Did you know? Did you know Namor or Namor was created before Marvel even existed? No, okay. No, okay. Right. He was the, the very first character. I think like funny comics, or it was a specific. Marvel was called Timely before they became Marvel, yes. and he was introduced in one of these like compilation kind of comics. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then yeah, Marvel took over, and then they brought him in slowly to Fantastic Four. Mm. He's like got a crush on Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four. And was he always like that? So they changed him up for the movie so he wouldn't be too similar to Aquaman. But, he but was, it, was he always a dude that lived underwater? Yeah. Yeah. So he was just, he was always portrayed like just in his underpants. Yeah. With, with the big ears. I, l- I love it. Yeah. In, in Wakanda Forever, he's got like a cool, like European, European swimming costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like kind of that, that like sort of spandex hot pantsy yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the little ankle wings. That's yeah. always been a thing. Okay, so I was going to so this is amazing. Why, why did we not even talk about this yesterday? So I just watched this movie and I was like, cool. Yeah. It's the be, you know, it's this guy. He's the submariner. But, but you, but you yeah. guys knew so much about this dude. Yeah, so I, I was quite surprised how much they used it. I don't remember him being specifically used with I mean Black Panther, I didn't I didn't read the comics at all. Okay, so, so you didn't know you didn't you didn't know he was linked to Black Panther, yeah. but you knew him in the universe. Yeah. So he's linked to Fantastic Four, you're saying? It, it was you linked to everything. Because that makes sense, because Black yeah. Panther, the first Black Panther appearance is in a Fantastic Four is comic. It? Okay. Yeah. And did he always have those things on his feet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's like, bizarre. I, th- I thought that was so weird. Yeah. It's very and bizarre. And I also thought like I don't know how that could make him fly like a fucking Iron Man. Because to me, I was like, those are piddly little wings. Little pigeon his wings. Little pigeon wings. And they're like, imagine two pigeons like yeah. holding up a human. <laughs> like it didn't quite make sense. But anyway, he was an interesting dude. So he could obviously fly in the air. I don't think this is a spoiler. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a spoiler to describe yeah. what this guy looks like. Yes. Um, he has wings on his ankles. Mm. and like, But like birdie pigeon wings, yeah. as you said. It's bizarre. Um, not even like golden steel ones, <laughs> like little feathered pigeon wings. Yeah. Um, but that made him really interesting. And he... Um, well, I think what Black Panther is really good at in compared, comparison to other Marvel movies is developing the villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Killmonger, one of the best villains ever in Marvel movies in Black Panther. Yeah, and that was old. What's his name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Because like you actually, at a certain point in the movie, you like... I'd be doing what he'd be doing. Totally. And I think uh, when I came home and, and spoke to Leslie about it, I was like, we are at that point now where we have to evolve this genre so much because we've seen so many. Yeah. Even even pre-superhero, when we're talking about like James Bonds and things, like mm. when people craft a villain, it can't just be like, I want to take over the world. Yeah. It's like, what? It's like, why? Yeah. What's the <laughs> point? Or I want to k- wipe the world mm. or create anarchy it's like we passed that now we have to craft villains that we almost empathize with yeah it has to we to, to make a really good villain today you've got to sort of understand exactly where they're coming from and be like oh i totally get that yeah your villain basically has to be right but it's what they're willing to do for it that makes them the villain yeah you yeah. know so it, this was a very evolved film and, and i like that to the point where it was refreshing and yeah. We spoke about it was two hours and 40 minutes. But for me, 
and Gad went by quite quickly. For you, okay. it was it quite dragged long. a bit, yeah, like the middle section in, in particular. There was a point where I turned to Colin and I was like, "This is a this is a bit depressing." The movie <laughs> because like a large chunk of it was a study in mourning, mourning and grief, grief, yeah. and how we move on and let go. And it was so yeah. interesting how they handled the death of. Chadwick Boseman, yeah. Both the character and, and Chadwick, yeah. because these were people that obviously spent years of their life working with him on the previous one. Well, they'd finished the script and they were ready to film Black Panther 2. And oh, then really? He died. Yeah, they had to totally oh, they had rework to rewrite it. the whole thing. Yeah. I didn't know. Not that. just ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so they made the, the character pass away in a very similar way, which was like, we didn't know he was sick. Yeah. And then he died, which is how Chadwick Boseman died in real life. Like, mm-hmm. nobody knew... He had cancer. He kept that from everyone. And um, and it was obviously so sad. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was... I, I was a bit annoyed about how they handled his illness. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's a bit strange because like in I think in the comics, I don't really talk about it in the movie, but they're able to cure cancer in Wakanda. Mm. Yeah. And so this is obviously before they're able to... <laughs> Because yeah. you could see her trying and you could see her get really close, but yeah. it's obviously. But they also don't specify what he's dying of in the no, film. Yeah, they, they never say what it is. Yeah. But I, 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 yeah, there were a bit more plot holes in the first one, but I mean, it's it's okay. You got you can't like be ridiculous about everything. Yeah, and I just, I, just I must say I liked I liked the fact that it was different. I liked the fact that it actually was this slower. I sort of said to Leslie as well, like your average superhero movie is like a banger pop tune you know it's like yeah. it's, in, it's energetic it's it's got huge climax it's got mm. big drops where this one was like a down tempo like it was more of like a chill ballad yeah. it wasn't, as, it like wasn't it, as fun as the first movie for certainly sure certainly wasn't a roller coaster ride yeah. Yeah. like they're not gonna you know but I, I would want there to be a hundred Black Panthers I think yeah. I think this is gonna be Oscar, in a, Oscar it's going to get a lot of nominations do you think so yeah yeah oh, you see I don't think these movies do I like was Black Panther nominated? The yeah, first best one picture. was, but I don't know if it they'll... It was the first superhero movie nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if they'll do that again. I don't know if the Academy will go, okay, let's do it again. Yeah, I think the there was something so exciting about that first one where you where you get shown this world for the first time. You get shown yeah. Wakanda. You get, you, you're introduced to those people. And it's unfortunate, but when you sort of get it again, you're like, okay, yeah. I've like seen it. Also, the first time around, like the topics of like representation, that sort of thing, were very like really so important powerful. to its to its reception. But as I said, I'd love there to be a hundred because yeah. they still speak very similar. I think they use some Nguni languages mm. in, in it. Obviously, the, these underwater people spoke a weird kind of clicky language that someone had to make up, which I think is a fun business. I mean, yeah. a fun career. Someone, <laughs> some, some linguistics have to make up these imaginary languages. Yeah, which but is language. some way inspired by South American languages, I would think. Yeah, yeah. But every I'm now and again, we recognized them. and saw a, a, a word that we mm. know in South Africa, where someone gets told the humba and yeah. the way they talk to each other in Wakanda. I th- I, it's one of our languages. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. I'm not sure. I missed Andy Circus's character. Uh, uh, yeah, he was, was cool. so good in that. And he was a South African. Yeah. Shout out! <laughs> yeah. Shout out to his, his <laughs> accent was South African was impeccable in that first movie. Yeah, no, well, he's good. Because he's I, I, I knew it was Andy Circus, and I watched it the night before, so it was fresh in my mind. And then at one point, I'm like, "Who's that guy?" And I had to Google. I'm like, 
oh, of course it's Andy Serkis. Yeah. But yeah, you very rarely see him himself. He's always Gollum or yeah. King Kong. Was or... he? What did he do before Lord of the Rings? I don't know. I have no idea. I assume it was just smaller. Let's not forget that Lord of the Rings was a fuck long time ago. Yeah. Like it's now more than 20, 20 years. It's more than 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, perhaps was just trying to make it as an actor yeah. and then... Um, and then that was a big thing. But he's so versatile. But he came mm. in at that motion capture movement and was a big part of it. Someone yeah. was going to be that Andy Circus. Yeah. So it's cool that it was him. Yeah. And he was very good at it. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts about Black Panther specifically? So the whole thing is that this underwater kingdom, they've also got access to the vibranium. Yeah. So with Wakanda, like they really, in the first movie especially, they pushed how technologically advanced they are and the weapons and that. Mm. But these underwater people didn't really seem to embrace the technology aspect as much. Yeah, that whole underwater city thing just wasn't that well realized. It was very, like the whole movie generally was very dark, like yeah. literally yeah. in color. Yeah. I struggled to see. And I, was, I was waiting in that reveal of the underwater world to mm. be like, okay. Get ready. Because yeah. we can't yeah. ready. Not, this is going to be awesome. And we, then I was like, mm. and I was like well, we kind of can't not compare it to Aquaman. Because Atlantis is really well like realized in that film. Yeah. And it's very visually distinct. And we just kind of don't get that here. Plus, we're comparing it to like Wakanda, which we see a lot in the film. Yeah. Which is well realized. But it's, it's very practical because like the lights that they're using are animals and worms and all of that. So yeah. it, it wouldn't really make sense for it to be lit up like a casino. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. And he, he's, he, he shows that there is that one thing that he built in, mm. in that underwater land that brought light. But what's interesting is that when you scuba dive, um, even as low down as about 20 or 30 meters, like there's mm. no color. Mm. Um, you can take a Coke can, for example, and then when you get to the bottom... Um, it's almost grey because hmm. light doesn't come through. So you see things through how through I the see water. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I see the world through Gad's eyes. But yeah, so. Uh, um, God, what did I see? Just <laughs> yeah, you were just. So, so what I'm what I'm getting to? It's it just felt very weird. It's like the movie was telling us that the Atlanteans were, or ugh, the, the underwater yeah. people were as strong as the Wakandans, but it, it didn't. It maybe like, wasn't as much. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. All right, but yeah. all in all, I, uh, yeah, I don't think it blew our socks off. Yeah, it looked um, amazing. It looked cool, and um, and it was yeah, it was a bit of a sort of down tempo. I think going into it knowing it's that someone might enjoy it more as opposed to yeah, discovering maybe. its pace was not what you think. Yeah. So yeah, this isn't a genre-defining movie yeah. by any means. But yeah, I, I do remember at one point thinking like, "There's way less action in this than your typical Marvel movie." Yeah, like there's kind of two big action scenes in this film. Yeah, but you know, you know, why do they have to be? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the, it's not a, it's not a complaint. Yeah, I felt it very similar in tone to Eternals, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, that kind of like slow burn. Yeah. Okay. So maybe so. This is the last of the. Is it stage four or what are they calling the, the things in the Marvel Universe? Phase four. Phase four. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. This is the end of the phase four. So then is Ant-Man the start of phase five? Yeah. So I oh, think there's okay. going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Oh. That's going to be lo the last thing from phase four. <laughs> right. Which I'm, I, I think could be cool. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I loved Guardians 1 and Guardians 2 just annoyed me so much. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what I watched last night? Yeah. So After Ma the movie. After the movie. Okay, yeah. Ma there's a Disney Plus series called What If. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, have you seen them? No, I just I've seen a couple. So I'd actually skipped this one because I hadn't really watched Black Panther properly. And it was What If... Um, what's his name? Chadwick Boseman's... T'Challa. T'Challa. What if T'Challa became Star-Lord? So it's a whole Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. thing. They they pick him up and then he gets on and he becomes Star Lord. And how do they do it? Is it animated? It's all animated, yeah. yeah. Oh. And they'd recorded it obviously before he he passed. passed. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was really cool. Yeah. All right. That's definitely right. worth checking. Okay. Out. Uh, should we get on with work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was lovely to to go to the movies with you guys. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for spotting us tickets again. No, no. I think <laughs> it's important that as a as a podcast, we do these kinds of things together. Yeah. And so um, I'm very happy to support that. And yeah, like her. Yeah, like her. Cool, nice. duties. Thanks. Cool. How's it? Good. How's it with you? It's very good. It's, uh, it's nice to finally get a chance to, to chat to you. <laughs> it's nice to finally be here. <laughs> you've, been, um, you've been very busy. I have. And you're always busy. I think that's what I've always appreciated about you is that you guys are always doing stuff. Yeah. And from when we last chatted, you've taken on even more. You, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> tell me what's. <laughs> well, you know, where, it's where, where are you like right now in your like? What are you working on? What have you finished? Well, you know. Yeah, where, yeah. You, where no, I think now? it's always been out of necessity, um, which has been like a driving force because uh, both myself and Jamil didn't want to freelance again. So in order to not freelance again, you literally have to continuously make this machine move and mm. jump from one project to the next. Because in the film space, you usually don't make money. Um, budgets are notoriously too low. So if you are a passionate creative, you're often sacrificing your own payment um, to put it back into the film. Yeah. So for a, for a while there, when it was just the two of us in the company, we were making films to pay rent, literally. And a lot of the time we'd make films in um, in the Eastern Cape. So we'd be put up in accommodation, yeah. given yeah, yeah. a per diem yeah. and survive that way. So, um, yeah, I think the the conception of Yellowbone Entertainment was born out of, uh, out of necessity. Um, to okay. not slow down, to not yeah. stop, to not take a second. Because this industry is so tough. You know? um, Yellowbone mm. is a term. Mm. It's a term for like a kind of lighter skinned black person. Mm -hmm. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it <Okay>. is. <laughs> and that's actually a funny story because, um, you know, I've, I've maybe opened, like many creatives, I've opened maybe six companies yeah. prior to opening Yellowbone and they had like the deepest names. Yeah, let's hear some Stranger of them. Films, which nice. I stole from Leonard Cohen's Stranger Music, which yeah, I thought yeah. was, was so deep and so great. Arty. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and Jamil the same, apparently, like all these intellectual company names. Yeah, yeah. And when we initially uh, formed a partnership, we would go into these government places, we'd have meetings because we were... Are really keen on understanding how to access government funding. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's a certain section of funds that are reserved for people of color, right? Yeah. And then, so it's called the Black Emerging Rebate or the, you know, the Black Female mm. uh, Incentive. And then th these people would joke with us and they'd be like, "Ah, but you guys are yellow bones, you know." Yeah, and it gets we'd get so upset by it <laughs> that eventually we thought, 
um, let's take this name and, yeah, and, own it, and, and own it, it and make it a serious thing. And I remember the first uh, film we made, which is a short film called Stillborn. People watched it and they saw the company name come up and they canned themselves like for a very long time, in, you know, really? in the credit. And now when the name comes up, there is such a respect for it. So I think, um, yeah. I think that's really cool to see. Uh, it wouldn't have been either of our actually first choice for a, for a company name now. I think yeah. we were just reacting at the time. Yeah, yeah. But here we are. That's lovely. <laughs> that's lovely. Okay. So you've done Blood Psalms. Yeah. That's, that's a biggie for you guys, eh? Hey? Mm. That's a real big one. And it's and it's busy releasing episode Weekly. by episode yeah. on Showmax. Yes. Okay. And so when did you wrap that? When did you finish that? So we actually wrapped that at the end of 2020. Okay. And... Um, oh. So shit, you, sh you shot it through COVID. Yeah. So it was actually Hectic. the first production to go back into production. Okay. Um, because in March, we were two weeks away from starting principal photography. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I know. And, and also the, the project itself just had every challenge thrown at it uh, that you could imagine. Yeah. Like um, it was the first... This was also before the advent of the streamers. You know, it was before Parasite. It was before things that were in Vernac should be given lots of money. You know, it was before we knew that the world wanted to consume things in the original language or that you could dub things. Yeah. So at that time, when you made South African content, the broadcasters would encourage you to make it as Western and as English as possible so that they could sell it to the States, you know? Um. Um, so... Uh, you, you'd, you'd see back then, especially with multi-choice, a lot of the big budget things would only be in English and the lower budget things would be in Vernac and, and be very much positioned on like Mzansi magic, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so Blood Psalms was kind of pioneering in that way and we're lucky that the world also transitioned during that pandemic into a more global space, you know, where, where things in the original language became That's interesting. Yeah, I Squid Games also after that happened. Mm. We long since, um, with the Bioscope, right from the beginning, we sort of said sub or dub, and everyone was like, subs, man. It's the mm. way to do it. Mm. It's like the internet and mm. general <laughs> media culture has has said they really wanted the original language. Yeah. just takes a bit of work. You've got to read it. Yes, it's so exactly. weird. Like my, my girlfriend, um, on one or two occasions with Netflix with a dub, she didn't even notice. And I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. It's dubbed. No, but they do and it exquisitely She's like, what do you mean? Well and I now. had to sort of explain it to her. She's like, I don't even pick that up. Yeah. That's so weird. I was just going like to say the Netflix culture now, the dubbing is is the norm. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we're doing a project with them now and you have to deliver like 12 weeks in advance of its airing so that they can dub it. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've had a, a guest on the video store, um, Maud. I don't know whether you've ever met Maud. Sandem. Sandem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she worked on, she was my assistant for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. She's so lovely. She's amazing. And she talks about how she has to dub a, um, like a sort of dark-skinned um, sort of telenovela. Like yes. this kind of like uh, Turkish woman. <laughs> but she's this sort of fair-skinned um, yes. redhead who yes. sort of has to sort of like speak Afrikaans. But to be fair, she's got, she's great with accents and she's got a yeah. very husky deep. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. I love Maud. Maud is no, great. She's, she's delightful. Okay, so you did that in 2020, mm -hmm. and it's now just started, it's now come out. Yes. Um, and what else? What are you doing? What's next? So What's on the go right now? <laughs> so I think between 2020 and now, a lot has shifted. Um, yeah. It's been a rapid expansion. 
we um, opened a post-production facility called the Post Office. Oh, that's right. It's based in Craigle Park. And uh, we also now employ 20 people full-time, which is rough, but also um, increases our capacity. And I think our plan was always, you know, you can't grow with just two people yeah. doing everything. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, I produce and edit, Jamil writes and directs. Um, and I think the time came to now say, okay, let's take on more projects and guide other people. Mm. to be able to do the same things that, that we do, you know? So uh, since then, Blood Psalms is released in, on Showmax. It releases on Canal Plus next year. Canal Plus. Canal Plus with its French dub and also dubbed into Lingala and a few other languages. What's that other language? Lingala, which okay. is what they speak in the DRC. Oh, okay. Um, and a few other indigenous languages from the French-speaking territories. Mm -hmm. So that's very cool. Uh, it even has a French title, which I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then once all because we kind of you know we had a lot of hurdles in terms of visual effects mm -hmm. uh, in terms of budget in terms of the pandemic we ended up spending about four to five million rand on the pandemic itself um, because of the delays to the shoot we started to rent the studio we started to uh, put certain people up that were in Joburg and yeah. also uh, we had to now being the first pioneer way of making a safe set a set safe for, yeah, yeah. for for COVID. Uh, and obviously there was a lot of fear at the time. So yeah. I think now, you know, later on it became a little bit more flexible, but then it was hectic. You know, we had to have these like systems of checking people in, and yeah. testing. And, and of course we all know, you know, we don't have to get into that, but like <laughs> in general, it was a big time sucker. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Blood Psalms is, we are finishing it as we're delivering it now. So we're on episode 11 which is the final episode as okay. a post, uh, as a post process. Oh, um, and I think Ep seven just aired on Showmax. So once it's all done, we will then be selling it to the rest of the world, which is the idea. Okay. And do you think that there's even a chance to sort of like fix more stuff up before you sell it again? I mean, could you give it I another wish. coat of paint? I wish we could. Um, but it's also a money thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, totally. if you, if you, really look at it 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 had a, a minuscule budget for what it was relative to yeah, it's, yeah. It's relative to what it was um it's a and i think that's also because it was a a, a first you yeah. know like it's uh, a really hard space to play in so yeah. we've got something called the back of the box which is as if you've sort of taken this thing off the shelf on a mm. on a on a video store mm -hmm. shelf what, what would it say on the back mm. um what is it it's a, it's 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 made up Place? Yeah, yeah, it's a made-up place, and what is the sort of general context well, of blood songs? I think, you know, the the idea of ancient African history has always been intriguing to to Jamil, who is the creator of the show. Um, and by ancient, saying like let, let's go back and reimagine what it would be like pre-deluge, pre-flood, pre um, before mm. this concept of loincloths and mud huts came, mm. there must have been a different civilization, and a lot of his kind of research uh, alludes to to things that or oh, empires in sudan empires in great like, zimbabwe and like timbuktu they found stuff yes eh? and egypt itself yeah, sure. um there was evidently something that happened which forced everybody to run away whether that was a flood or some kind of catastrophic uh, earth event okay um evidence shows that people fled very quickly um, that oh. original civilization of Egypt and Sudan, where the pyramids are, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, so kind of his theory and research was that that migration happened and went south, 
And these would then be the kind of ancestors of, of who are here today, you know. And what they did was they grabbed certain aspects of this great culture yeah. and adopted it into their own tribes. And the tribes in, in Blood Psalms are, are fictional, but draw from, from different research. Okay. Um, so everything is, yeah, deeply rooted in research. Um, but it's a, it's a stab at fantasy. It's, it's a, a chance yeah, to just go, wow. Look at what it could have been and what drama could have unfolded there. Have you seen The Woman King? I have. Did you like it? I did, you know, because... Um, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very feel good. Yeah, it was. It was awesome to just watch something that makes you feel good. Yeah. you know. Have you ever met the the chicky Tuso Umbera? Yes, actually, we. Because I'd imagine she would have had some sort of happenings here in South Africa before. Yeah, she was doing very much underground uh, railroad. And very much working here. Um, yeah. I haven't had the pleasure of working with her yet. Yeah, uh, but. Yes, um, I'm familiar with her and she's fantastic. And I'm just so proud of her. I thought she was great in it, yeah. She was so good. Mm. Okay. No, I, I must say, I I actually at the start, because I found it interesting that they didn't say based on true yes. events or anything in the beginning. And I sort of turned to the guy I was watching with and I was like, this is made up, right? Like, the, um, this is <laughs> like this is all imaginary. Like yeah. this place didn't happen. Right? But it very much did. Mm. It's, it's but in a, but in I think the reason they didn't do that is also because there's like a lot of they've taken some inaccuracies yeah, there, yeah. and then you know there's people on the internet who are like, oh, this they were actually um, not go- a gr- good tribe. They mm. were yeah yeah involved in the slave trade. Blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. So I think it takes the magic away from it. If you yeah, know. I think that's probably the decision. But it's, <laughs> it's it, we were, we had a whole episode funny enough about this where mm. we addressed those inaccuracies and we also spoke about the greatest showman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like the real, <laughs> the real Hugh Jackman character like, yes. was not a nice dude <laughs> at all. Um, okay, so what is next? What is next? So, so twenty twenty one really was kind of um, re- getting more money for Blood Psalms, trying to finish it, and then expanding and opening this post facility. And the reason for that was everybody was shutting down facilities. Uh, mm. You know, everybody was now saying, "Oh, but I can do this at home. I can do the visual effects in my garage." You know. And that kind of culture um, forced other post facilities to shut down and sell their things. So I think we jumped on that opportunity because we kind of foresaw that the re-emergence of the facility would happen, you know. Mm. Where, and it happened rapidly, to be mm. honest, because now you've got the Amazons, the Netflixes coming into the space, demanding a certain quality of delivery, you know, yeah. which not everybody can do. And they have to kind of approve it. So... That was a large part of, of last year. And um, then we also shot another film, which potentially will be... <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Potentially will be a, a series now, um, we're finding, because we're in post with it. We, shot, we wrapped in June. Well, it actually might not actually become a film. Mm, it, we've actually got so much material. That it should rather be a series. Mm, like, that, what, that, like a limited series? Yes, but I just discovered that the word limited means that there will never be a season two. Sure. So, no, it will be a season two. Okay. But it will be a five-part series. Okay. Because it's interesting how the British do that. Mm. The British make short TV shows. Yes. It's very it's it's a beautiful space because this movie is called The Queenstown Kings. The and Queen, uh, oh, The Queenstown Kings. Kings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's about a... It's basically a lot like the concept of Mighty Ducks. Do you remember Mighty Ducks? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like one of my favorites also. <laughs> but, but which sport? 
soccer. Okay, cool. So it's about a pro footballer who lives in Joburg, loves his life. Uh, he's injured, drinks a lot, hot girlfriend, gets a call that his father has died in Queenstown. Hasn't been back to Queenstown in like 18 years. That's Eastern Cape. Yeah. You know. Goes back, um, gets arrested for drunken driving, uh, gets uh, told to do community service in terms of uh, coaching the soccer team. Mm-hmm. And his son, he's a strange son who he's not really cared about because he had him when he was 18, mm-hmm. is the star striker of that team. So it's a very fun, lovely form. They enter the Nedbank Cup. They get in, they qualify, they come to Joburg. All their dreams come true. So what I found with that, what what we found was that with so many characters and layers, it's really hard to pack it into yeah. one feature. I'll, I'll never forget but the the emergence of that that sort of limited series, which is mm. very much like the mini series we mm. remember. But um, it was it came out more in the anthology stuff where I think it was Woody Harrelson or it was Matthew McConaughey Mm-mm. doing True Detective. Yeah, said like he's actually really loving it because mm. you you can just sink your teeth into it more as an actor, but you also don't give up your whole life. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to just be typecast, and and you've got to do this now for the next ten years of your life. Like mm. you can you can just sink your teeth in more, mm. and I'm I'm sure it's the same for the director. I'm sure it's the same for everyone. Completely, and I think you can it, just give it more. Yeah, and it's weird the the it's I'm we're struggling with forms at the moment. I think. Yeah. Um, in general, if you look at all the films that are that are coming out, the films that aren't being made, the film space is a tough one at the moment because yeah. I still think there's very much a demand or a yearning for the the kind of independent critical art art house films, but they're just so much harder to get financed now. Yeah. Um, and then looking at this um, this space, you can forgive a lot in a series. Okay. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. a in a weird way, like we were talking about it. Film film now demands a lot of craft, you know, okay. and time. And what we're finding is that to try and shoot a, shoot a movie at a certain level in in four and a half weeks, what you're gonna get is TV. Do you know, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. You and and the, because of the climate we're making films in here with with our our tiny budgets, films never get the chance to be cinematic anymore. Yeah, you need yeah. time. You need money. You need to craft things. What we're doing now is just shoot, shoot, wide, wide, get out. You know, mm. close up, close up, gone. Um, so the TV space is a uh, is is great in that sense because it is more about character development. It is more yeah. about timelines and people forgive technicalities. You know, it's like you, it's okay for me to watch this scene play out mm-hmm. in a TikTok way on a on, on a TV show because mm. now I'm looking at who's Layla, who's Russell. I've got time. I'm not going, this scene is taking very long. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like I remember learning that in, in film school. I think it was like, I think it was in screenwriting. Mm. They were like, you, you, a scene shouldn't be longer than three minutes. Mm. It was something like that. Mm. There was like a, there was a thing where it was like, you got to try your best to time it. And if not, then you got to be, you got to, you got to back yes. it with, with a lot of confidence. Yeah. You know, where I you're like, like, I'm going to have this be a long <laughs> ass scene. Like you've got to be like a Tarantino that knows exactly what you're doing, that you're holding them in... In that, yes. The, you know... Like Steve McQueen's dress. Hunger, I remember they made us watch that scene. I think it's like a 9 to 15 minute scene. And this Which film? Hunger. Which one's that? It was one of his first films, if okay. not his first film. Okay. Um, it's got Michael Fassbender in it. It's okay. Irish. It's the guy who was um, in prison and did a hunger strike. Okay. Have you seen it? No. It is an exceptional movie. You should really watch it. Okay. 
this is what this video store is about. <laughs> Me helping you find things to, to, to watch and vice versa. <laughs> okay, hunger. All right. Hunger, yeah. Okay. You made it before you made shame. Okay. And you've seen shame. I've right? seen shame. Yeah. Okay. That was also Fassbender. Mm -hmm. That was quite, that was quite an intense film. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> so a little more of Fassbender than we all thought we would see. But In everything, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, what are you watching at the moment? Outside oh of what you're making. What are you, what are you enjoying? You know, it's, it's so difficult. I it used to difficult. be such a consumer. Yeah. And now it's very difficult because it's it's my life and my work. So yeah. I prefer now not to consume. Lovely. But okay, um, so at the end of the day, you you guys just aren't watching anything. No, I mean I I watched House of Dragon. Okay. I really loved House of Dragon, but mm -hmm. I like that uh, that genre, and I think they did it really well. Mm. Um, watching on and off The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, good. And that's another thing. Also, I'm just so invested in the characters. I don't even know. Um, what I'm watching anymore. I've been with him for like five years. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. that. But that also releases weekly. And then I'm really enjoying the Star Wars series. Ah, cool. There's Andor. That's um, the new I've one. I watched Andor. Okay. Watched The Mandalorian. I watched Obi-Wan. Okay. Mm. And you love that. Have you always liked Star Wars? Yeah, I think a little bit more now with the series is then with than i did with the movies I, yeah. i guess the movies were always iconic and it was like a, also a cool film student thing to yeah. to obsess about but i think their formula is really cool well the formula I, i've noticed across those three is always this troubled man yeah. with a younger or, or cute sidekick you know so <laughs> in, <laughs> in the mandalorian it's that it's baby yoda baby thing, thing yeah. in obi-wan it's leia she's like a child that he oh, journeys okay. with on the whole thing And then on Andor, it skips between this like little red robot, and yeah, it always tends it's to be. It's quite formulaic, but, it, but it's you very can, formulaic. But you can enjoy the formula. You sort of yes. lean in. For me, there's a, absolutely a relief in formula at the moment. Yeah. I think because of the, the tumultuousness of what I do, it's nice to just be like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen here. These people are going to follow the formula. And um, have you seen Reboot? I haven't. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. And it's about um, the attempt to reboot a TV show from the from the 80s or 90s. Oh, and the I cast think all come yes, back. Yes. So it's got uh, Keenan Michael Key. Yes. It's got Johnny Knoxville from Jackass. Yes, yes. It's got um, Julie Greer. I think I've Greer. heard of it, yeah. Is it good? So far, so good. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And you, I think you'd appreciate it because it's just that look behind the curtain mm. in terms of how a TV show gets made, mm. especially in the sort of Hollywood system. And how um, and how things have changed? Yeah. Because part of the problem was that this old show was the the, the not only was the comedy old or bad, but there was problems mm. also just with representation yes. and how it all worked. <laughs> I'm sure. And now in today's reboot, they are hoping to sort of have it be um, brought into the you know to 2022. But the, yeah, the, there's more that. No, plays I'll out. definitely check it out. It's interesting. It's funny. I, I'm also at that point now where like. I'm like you. I can I can very easily slide into a safe formula yeah. that that just delivers something fun because mm. life is it's hard. Life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> And also nostalgia. I think nostalgia is such an important part of what we what we watch and are drawn to. Yeah. Especially now that we're not in our teens or twenties anymore. It's um, it's strange. I can see how people mold what they 
make as well as yeah. filmmakers, you know, because yeah. usually it's just nostalgia, you know. So you can see what filmmakers in their 30s and 40s, when they were born and what mm. they grew up on. Totally. And we just recycled that the whole time. Like I was looking for Dawson's Creek everywhere yesterday. <laughs> I was feeling like, or not yesterday, um, the weekend. I you was just, just felt, like... You felt like a little Vanderbeek. Yeah, and I was like, I just need to watch this again. Because <laughs> 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 this I loved. And I couldn't find that, it. It's not on the, Netflix, Amazon or anywhere. It was on something. It was on Netflix for a brief time, but it expired apparently. Yeah. Oh, no, man. So, was that with the biggie for you? Oh, yeah. Dawson's Creek was a big... It's probably... One of the reasons I'm a filmmaker. Really? Mm-hmm. Lovely. Dawson wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh, did he? I, I, I didn't really watch a lot you of didn't Dawson's watch Creek. It? <laughs> it was, it's totally, looks like you should have watched it. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was a, he, a cinephile and he wanted to be a filmmaker. Okay. Um, I'm not entirely sure I was the demographic they were shooting for. Why? I don't know. Just sort of out there playing cricket. Is that what no, you no, doing? no! I'm joking. I, I, I just, I thought I took it to be a little bit more of a girly show. That's interesting. Yeah, it probably was, but I know a lot of young men who watched it too. Yeah, because okay. it was actually his creek, you know, Dawson's creek. <laughs> 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 okay, so that was a biggie. What other n- m- movie or movies or series f- molded you? I always think that's interesting how. Mm. What we watch kind of gives us a layer. Oh, totally. I was t- totally a melancholic uh, person. So Closer okay. was a big uh, film for me. Okay. Do okay. you remember Closer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Garden State. Oh, yes. It was very, <laughs> very oh, much yes. a pivotal movie. Um, let me try and think what else. What were you too young to watch? And when you watched it, like, on a horror level, on some kind of psychological level? Oh, my gosh. Level, I was obsessed with Poltergeist. Oh God! Yes, I remember being locked in a in a in a study <laughs> yeah. when we were too young as kids. From we had family friends, and the one was mm. older, and he locked the door, and was like, and it was at night time. Oh God! Oh God! Yeah, no, no, that no, no. yeah. Me. I don't know why I liked Poltergeist so much because I wasn't a big horror fan. Yeah. I was actually quite a like I was afraid of the dark kind of child. Yeah. But Poltergeist, I loved it. Mm. I think I rented it from the video store repeatedly. Like for four weeks in a row, five weeks in a row. Wild. Okay, but it didn't. It it it. it wasn't. You were ready to watch it when you watched it. You didn't. Yeah, I think I remember being invited. So between the ages of seven and and eleven, I lived in Melbourne in Australia. Hmm. Mm. And that was also a very interesting world, a different world. Um, what was happening there? What took you to Australia? My mother remarried an Australian. Well, he was an Australian. He was a South African living in Australia. Okay. So we we immigrated, um, and I remember we had like they they had these elaborate parties. Like kids had elaborate parties, where they'd like draw maps for you in the dark in the forest, and you'd go on, on a treasure hunt at night, like forty of you, and then wow. you. <laughs> then in this one particular party, we came back into like this grand hall, and we all had sleeping bags, and they played it for us, and I think I was I was seven. Jesus Christ. Mm, and that was very scary. <laughs> that was really not nice. Poltergeist was entertaining. That was not nice. <laughs> I remember just being traumatized. I, I um, was telling someone the other day, I remember being really haunted by the movie Congo. Mm. 
with the like crazy killer gorillas. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there's that scene where he like grabs the dude's heart and like takes yeah, the heart out of Yeah, that's very hectic. I haven't seen it, but I Ooh, I know the reference. I was way too young for that. Yeah. Okay. And then okay, so here's another great question, which is what do you tell people is your most influential and favorite movie of all time? But what is it actually? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's so, I find that question so hard because I think I remember being in my first day of film school, they asked us this question Okay. and I could read around the room, like exactly what kind of people these were, you know, and it it was like five movies that were being recycled. It was Pulp Fiction for certain people. Um, it was the Godfather for certain other kind of people. I always thought that was so boring. (laughs) I think... On different levels, there are different films. So totally, no, no, no. Yeah, and, uh, I'm the first person to say there's there's many, but like like the craft of filmmaking, Fight Club was a huge, um, yeah, um, a huge milestone for me because I also wanted to be an editor, which I am now. Yeah, and I thought that movie was exquisitely cut, yeah. and it was the first time. And I think they also reference the cutting of the film in the film at some point when he's splicing the projector mm. things, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing what you can do with. Um, what you can do with the medium. Yeah. Uh, there was a movie called My Life Without Me. Okay. I don't know if you remember. No. It was with Sarah Poli. It was it was a Spanish filmmaker though, uh, and Mark Ruffalo. It was an incredible film for me. It was about a 21 year old woman who discovers she's dying, so she decides to like arrange her life without her herself in it. Find mm. her her husband a new partner, have an affair. Like she has a list of things that she wants uh-huh. to do before she dies, but it was it's it's beautifully done. It's not like a, oh, a heavy. What film. was the who was the filmmaker? Her name is Isabel, and then I don't know how to okay. say the surname. C O I X E T. C O I X E T. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Itu Mama Tambien was also Ooh. a big favorite of mine. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Me too. I love that movie. Me too. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and also probably appropriate for the time that I watched it in, you know. Yeah, so I, just I like was about feeling. the age of those dudes. Yeah, yeah. And so I also thought that was lovely. Very raw, very real. Mm. And then yeah. at some point I discovered Malik, which also okay. really spoke to me. Okay, um, which ones? Badlands. Uh, loved Badlands. I thought okay. it was phenomenal. I loved Days of Heaven. Okay. I never saw the earlier stuff. Oh, you but, must. I mean, because he had that famous break, right? Very long break, yeah. Terence Malick. And I watched, I was at Cannes mm. for Tree, Tree of, of Life. Life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is a filmmaker who was highly revered and loved and um, made these films. Mm-hmm. Then famously did nothing <laughs> for a long time. For a very long time. Like yeah. sort of 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And even at Cannes, the picture of him... Mm. That they used in the credits was an old picture. He, he's, oh, he doesn't appear. He's, he's famously like c- almost completely anonymous. Yeah, he doesn't go to award ceremonies. He doesn't attend any um, premieres. Nothing. So there's almost just no pictures of the guy. You can see him in Badlands. So what happened? Accident was Badlands was really um, he didn't have enough money. He was a student. So one of the actors didn't arrive on a particular day. It okay. was just a small cameo. And he had to play it himself. Oh. And so it's, so... it's so strange <laughs> to have someone that, you know, has made these huge films. But I mean, not necessarily huge, but I mean, revered films. Mm. And, and he's almost a ghost. He's mm. almost a complete ghost. Um, 
Tree of Life was super interesting. Mm. I really liked it. No, it's a beautiful film. It's it's very yeah whimsical and it just <laughs> lyrical. Sh- lyrical is the yeah what m- most would describe as arty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's why <laughs> super arty. But <laughs> you it, should really but watch his early stuff. Yeah, cool. Without it being too pretentious, but not too pretentious, yeah. and it wasn't too complicated. It was quite light. It was mm-hmm. like. The, the, the film was really about mm. the kids growing up and it was these sort of scenes of life of these kids sort of playing and mm. getting into trouble and then dinosaurs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. It's like all of a sudden it's like dinosaurs. Yeah, his work is very, I think, sometimes too personal. But yeah. I, I appreciate that also in the milieu of all the films that we consume. There's that know? Spielberg film mm. coming up, which yes. seems real interesting. Yeah. Hey? What's it called again? The, the it's not a good sign that I can't remember, but I know the, it's autobiographical. Yeah. I know it's um the 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 noble no, something mins. The something win, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. a good it's not a good sign that we can't remember the name though. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it, it's still a little while away. Yeah, like if if you can't remember it and it's here, then that's a problem. Mm. Um, the, the freedom mins, the nobleman, something mins. Yeah, I think okay. it's their name. Yeah, that's 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 a real interesting one. Um, okay, let me get you back to work because you've got a busy day. <laughs> but um, what am I gonna? What are you? What are you? What What did you get from me? Um, the reboot. Reboot. Reboot show. Yes. On Disney Plus. Gonna check that out. I'm gonna get into early Terrence Malick. Oh please, <laughs> Badlands, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line in that order. I've seen Thin Red Line. Okay. A long time ago. Okay. And I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't know I was watching a Terrence Malick film. Or a war movie. <laughs> or, and, yeah. And I remember, yeah, I remember, yeah, I don't remember enough, enough of it. Okay. So that's cool. I'll do, I'll do that. And, um, and yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you. Going on. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's exciting to, to have you guys. Uh, one thing which I thought was lovely um, was that you guys once sort of owned the cinema. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Yes. We ha- we had a concept at the bioscope yes, called yes. "If I Owned a Cinema," and we would give it to people yes. for the night because it was just about you guys bringing a, together your friends and mm. and people, and it was always interesting for us to see what you guys chose yes. or what that person would cho- would choose to yes. screen a film. We screened Harakiri. Yeah? Harakiri. Yeah. Mm. I watched that in lockdown. Mm. I didn't watch it at the time when <laughs> you guys screened it, <laughs> yes. but but um, such a great movie. Mm. That's also a really like beautiful a real movie. special movie. Very much so. Okay. Lovely. Okay. Thank you, Russell. Okay. I'll see you soon. Cool. <laughs> Bye. All right. What a lovely chat. Uh, it was so cool, as I said, to, to do something really quickly, to watch the movie, have the chat, edit it quick, put it out the next day. Um, I think that's going to be um, a nice thing that we can do often here at the video store. Uh, so that was uh, myself chatting with Graham Hackney and Gad the Combers and having a good chat about Wakanda Forever. And then, of course, Leila Swart, who is a producer and editor, uh, popped in to talk about all her shows and just general stuff, uh, which was lovely to catch up with her. She's so busy. It's nice to actually have a opportunity to to really sit down with these people that you yeah have, have been lucky enough to to get to know over the years. Uh, if you want to share the love, we are the video store.co.za. We've got ourselves an Instagram page and we've got ourselves a Facebook page. So please feel free to chime in, tell us what we should be watching, what we could, what we could be chatting more of. 
Um, but yeah, please uh, like and subscribe if you don't already. And we will see you next week. Bye.